thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of our hugely popular Cummings Pepperdy and Crypto Questions. I'm very pleased today to be able to introduce you to Hiranda Misra, who's the founder of the GMEX Group. And I think it's a particularly pertinent time for us to be discussing the work that Hiranda does with crypto exchanges in light of the issues that surround FTX. And I think that what we're going to be able to do today is is provide a beacon of hope, show people that yeah, the FTX is the exception and not the rule. So first of all, Hiranda, thank you very much for joining us. Perhaps you could um, tell everybody a bit, a bit more about um, about GMEX. Yeah, my pleasure, Claire, and thanks for having me. Um, GMEX as a company has been around uh, over ten years now, um, and again, our core business at that time was enabling exchanges all over the world and actually started out in um, uh, traditional asset classes, think derivatives, think securities, think commodities. Um, and then about five years ago, got into um, digital assets and cryptocurrencies as well and enabling marketplaces and post-trade uh, infrastructure, including clearing settlement and custody uh, in, in that space. And am I right in thinking that but that your background is actually personally very much in exchanges and you've been you've been quite successful in the exchange world before you bought before you moved to digital assets is that correct yeah so um uh, background around 26 years in electronic trading and uh, primarily uh, most of which has been in exchanges and then co-founded a platform called Chikes Europe which actually in a short space of time uh, became the second largest trading venue in Europe uh, behind the LSE group. So we ended up having 30% of UK stocks, um, blue chips trading on our platform and 25% pan-European equities. So that was really exciting because it ended up being invested into by all the banks and trading firms. So if there's anybody who's got a strong background in building an exchange, building an exchange which... Um, has got through due, due diligence of banks and also building an exchange which the LSE has found strong and compliant. You're the man, and it, I guess it makes sense now because that to move in that you're moving to digital assets five years ago. And I'm guessing that everything you learnt with what we might call a more traditional exchange and the, the the regulation of that exchange, you're now bringing to digital assets to ensure a high level of compliance, and also compliance born of experience. Would would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. Because when we got into this space, uh, my view was that actually all the activity um, in the digital asset space in some way, shape or form would be regulated. Now, whether it's the activity, the entities, um, you know, undertaking that. And certainly um, we're, we're seeing that and we're going to see it even more now, you know, given recent given recent events. Yeah. And with that in mind, um, with that in mind, as you know, I mean, uh, Claire, because you come from that background, um, I, I think to some extent in cryptocurrency markets, um, the value of regulation, proper governance, control, risk management, uh, you know, a, prop, a proper framework has been overlooked. Uh, and you know, I know you know there is an overhead for this, but but there's a reason why it exists. Yeah. Uh, and I think the right balance is for that regulation to be there, but for innovation to continue, but but certainly not be ignored like we saw with some of these recent events. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- and I think it's it's quite interesting if you look at some of the 
the publications and comments have come out of um you know government parliament and treasury recently it's very clear that they do they want to bring crypto in they're aware that it's a new class um technology isn't really something that they sort of they've kept up with but they it's going to be bought in it's going to you know, crypto is going to be the same as any other type of asset class it's just a question of trying to get you know the peg and the hole the same the same shapes yeah mm-hmm. um here Andrew, one thing which uh, particularly interests me and i think if we go back to talking about ftx again i think it's that that gives us a, a good example is the difference between centralized and decentralized exchanges. Now, I always find it easier to explain when I've got a piece of paper and a pen and I can draw little blobs and circles that are you know, linked to each other or linked centrally or whatever. Perhaps I should hand over to you as the expert and you could tell us a bit about what each one is and then we can go through sort of what might be, you know, the different pros and cons of each one. So first of all, could we start with centralized and then we can contrast that with a decentralized exchange. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually centralized exchanges, because even our current stock markets are, are centralized, even though they're in traditional finance. And then the, the likes of FTX were, um, and uh, Coinbase is as well. Now that doesn't necessarily mean uh, they're, they're bad in any way, even given, given recent events, but effectively what they are is some form of marketplace where buyers and sellers come together um, and uh, orders, uh, buy or sell orders are matched uh, to create trades. And, so and effectively... Through, yeah, they flow through some type of centralised... Yeah, uh, so, some sort of intermediary mechanism. Yeah. Now, in some cases, uh, some of these crypto exchanges almost act like brokers in the middle of that mechanism. In other cases, the exchanges don't, um, but uh, there are things like clearing houses that step in the middle of the trade to ensure anonymity and yeah. manage risk. So, so that's your centralized um, co- construct. By contrast, a decentralized exchange doesn't have that central intermediary. It's more peer-to-peer. Think, um, you know, smart contracts. So you have a smart contract uh, and you want to purchase, let's say, a digital asset. I have a smart contract. And effectively, on with any given protocol, that, that smart contract can affect a transaction um, between this, those smart contracts yeah. when criteria are met. So there's no centralized body. There's no uh, intermediaries either. Yeah, and likewise, there's no clearinghouse as well. A- 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 absolutely, uh, there's no clearinghouse. You could argue, I mean, a word often used is trustless, uh, which doesn't mean there's no trust, but it means that the, the fact that uh, by by virtue of those smart contracts uh, and the fact that those assets are there, the settlement finality can be guaranteed. But, but uh, I always smile when I hear those words because um there's always uh, some pros and cons as, as you'll get into and um and are things ever truly decentralized um in, in this space because there could be some control somewhere along the chain whether it's a developer or whether it's um someone owning more of the tokens and so yeah, forth there is the ecosystem there's a mecha- yeah when i in my in my very simple brain i sometimes think about it a bit like if you're trading commodities on exchange then you know you've got the exchange there. It steps in as the dealing house, and in, in, and you've got you've got membership, and you've got the give up agreements that you know the f- full party ones. So, and it's kind of sort of controlled. Whereas if you're dealing in a decentralized fashion, it's more similar to um, transacting under ISTA agreements. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Those, particularly, those, particularly uh, when there was no variation margin, initial margin. It's yeah. It, there are there are some base similarities in in those two types of trading, aren't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you know what people mustn't forget, as you rightly said, with with reference to is that uh, you know over counter trading has been around a long time. In fact, um, again, if you look at UK equities, even. A lot of activity happens away from the, the main exchanges and trading venues as well. You know whether it's between the banks, brokers, or, or or other other participants as well. So yeah, and and all you're now doing is you're creating a mechanism uh, here with with these smart contracts uh, for for that type of activity to occur, but now occur um, you know being driven by some form of blockchain protocol as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? So if how about if we could quickly sort of sort of talk um, talk about the pros and cons, which you sort of slightly talked about, and at the same time, could we bring into the pros and could look at the pros and cons first, and then think about the impact of recent events such as FTX? And I, the reason I say is look at the events after looking at pros and cons is because I think we need to set the background of of of. Of the type of the types of uh, um, exchange are available, and what is you know what does work better in some situations and not, and possibly just bear in mind that the other issue with FTX is that they had a trading arm and they had their own yeah. coin, so it's a it's a whole lot more complicated than than a standalone exchange. Yeah, I mean the pros and cons are interesting because certainly if you're looking. To scale something and, and concentrate liquidity uh, and, and find it e- easier for you know buy and sell orders to match, uh, then a centralized exchange is certainly better than decentralized because everything's converging um, centrally in terms of in terms of activity. Yeah, so things like it, batching orders um, and get and getting a match trade. That's where you. Yeah, get- that's right. Building building up the order book and 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 just the fact that it's easier for buyers and sellers to find each other. Just because you're you're coming to some, some central uh, points uh, as well, no, no different to uh, you know, lots of people meeting in the square or or, or or something to that effect. You know, it's much easier. It's much easier to un- undertake that activity. Also, generally, um, the user interfaces, uh, whether, whether you're interacting um, with those exchanges that way or application program interfaces, they're much more mature, and and yes. so that. Yeah, and how speedy are they with that maturity? Has- and, 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 and that's the other important point. You know, it really scales well because obviously, as we know, with different blockchains, there's different capacity constraints. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and so, of course, um, there, there are virtues of decentralized as well, which we'll talk about, but um, it scales very, very well. And typically, these exchanges have evolved over time to be very low latency and high throughput. Um, which has been good, you know, for the likes of algorithmic trading to come in, volumes to increase as well. So, so there are many merits for this type of structure, and largely, um, you, you know, like I said, you know, all, I mean, well, all the existing exchanges out there that you see, traditional ones, are all centralized, really, as opposed to decentralized. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it it it's, uh, it wouldn't still be around if it didn't work. Yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely. And 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 in the right. For the right asset class and the right circumstances, you know, they they also, you know, they are in effect the providers of liquidity because they put the people together. Yeah, and you don't. Yeah, that's right. Market without um, liquidity. Yeah, I mean, they're the facilitators of liquidity, so that those uh, 
that provide liquidity uh, and and the, those that take it are matched together in 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 one central place and that uh, and that's you know truly beneficial um and and you know we wouldn't have been able to um you know scale chiax in the past you know what i described if it wasn't for that kind of mechanism really yeah and liquidity is a form of de-risking as well so Yes, and liquidity gets more liquidity as well. It becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy to a large extent. So then, the, and and then the decentralized. Tell me where you think the decentralized system really comes into play, and what what it's able to provide that centralized doesn't. And uh, you know, and of course, that's a vice versa thing, isn't it? You know, I'm I'm a great I'm a great fan of having both centralized and decentralized exchanges. Yeah, or even now, uh, an interesting concept is um, a, a hex instead of dex, uh, as well, uh, where you've got certain exchange constructs that are very hybrid as well now. Yeah, that have functions that are both centralized and decentralized, and I really think that's going to become an interesting uh, trend because you can't really ignore one or the other. You know, they're both here to stay. Um, it, it's really, really interesting that um, you know recently. There were some numbers released by Reuters uh, post FTX, where um, you know prior to FTX, the volumes on um, centralized crypto exchanges were far higher than decentralized, and now they've more or less converged. I mean, they're both down because you know generally that's synonymous with what's happened in the market. Yeah. But there's been a greater convergence now. Decentralized exchanges um, offer uh, offer an advantage in that for you as a user, you've got control over your assets. Uh, and so, you know, you can choose uh, what you do with them uh, and how you utilize them. Um, on the flip side, uh, on the flip side, typically with some of these platforms, the user interfaces aren't necessarily developed. It requires a lot of technical expertise to be able to uh, utilize uh, those constructs effectively and, and harness the capabilities of those contracts and protocols. Yeah. Over time, that will become easier as more tools develop and certainly even some of the large cloud-based providers are looking at various tools to make life easier in that space. Um, but but certainly from the perspective of control, but also democratization as well, in that um, you know, now all of a sudden you and I can transact with each other uh, or uh, you know, organizations can use those mechanisms too, but we're not beholden to an intermediary or coming to those centralized places of liquidity. Um, but that opens up a much broader range of asset classes that can be uh, supported and traded as well, some of which might not make economic sense on a centralized exchange. Yeah. And how does how does that that this kind of decentralized trade with each other um, uh, system sit alongside money laundering regulations? It's a really, really interesting uh, question, actually, because um I was fortunate enough to be at the FCA Crypto Sprint in person, the first one uh, that they held that wasn't uh, remote. Yeah. And, the, uh, and um, that's exactly one of the topics that we were discussing. And there's a broad section of, of us across the table from, from industry. And actually, it said, you know, taking that question slightly a step back, can you regulate cent- uh, decentralized exchanges or decentralized autonomous organizations uh, when um, there's there's no central entity that's based somewhere or or there's no there might not be a certain individual that controls them and jurisdictionally obviously it means they're very distributed and diversified and the answer was actually 
it's probably unlikely, and that's why, as you know as well, Claire, I mean, given you speak about this often, uh, they're not part of the MICA regulations in terms, yeah. in terms of scope at this time as well. But actually, that raises an interesting question. So what do you do with them? Uh, and obviously, KYC AML is always uh, a challenge. And I think the conclusion that was drawn was, I think many of these operators, they want to be seen to be credible. And we are going to now post FTXC a flight to quality as well. Um, yes. and, uh, and whether that's bank grade custody or other mechanisms. So uh, the, the conclusion was maybe introduce black lists are quite negative, but introduce a white list, introduce some kind of uh, some kind of bar where where th- these uh, entities can certify against certain criteria that show best practice mm. um, and have an approval list that they can get onto. Um, and that kind of gives investor confidence and, and helps with investor protection as well. And actually, whether it's coin forensics or those tools that are out there already, and actually many ways, uh, the irony of all this is that because they're decentralized, um, all this activity is on chain somewhere. It's much easier easier, uh, to be transparent and and to look at that activity rather than a centralized exchange where things can be aggregated, netted off, and might not necessarily be externally. Yeah, you're uh, not going to be able to to pool. I mean, I suppose you could always use somebody else you could use and... You could use a kind of nominee, but there's not going to be any, yeah, yeah, pulling of trades, block trading, batches, and it, it could have anybody yeah. in it, yeah. I and think there's always ways around it. Like you said, you know, there's mixers where you could come in and then it's your coin that you put in, but someone else's that you take out, you know. But at the same time, I think, you know, we're broadly going to see regulation move against some of these things, um, you, you know, because, but also the other thing you raise about KYCML is identity, right? Because when you go to zero knowledge, proof and, and, and other mechanisms and, and you say okay but we've created a mechanism here where maybe identity isn't important but when is it important you know if there's something that has been subject to money laundering or you know counter-terrorism financing then we said okay use some kind of identity token but if uh if you break regulatory rules or, or the law then there's a give up of identity um off the back of that as well which yeah. is an interesting concept to explore I think the other th- I think the other thing is you going back to a point you made earlier that this is all based on blockchain and blockchain is transparent and it can't you know and it can't be changed so surely blockchain is a solution for I- for identity proof as well so the two can be combined so tell me that uh, having gone through that sort of a slight compare and contrast um tell me about the digital markets as we look ahead particularly when we think about sorry to keep getting on about it but ftx is such a big one you know so you go first but i think that actually ftx as a whole could we could see there are some silver linings for the industry tell me what you think yeah no, absolutely sometimes you need a reset for something good to emerge because if you remember you know with with the previous crypto winter when you look at let's say the autumn of 2018 that then transcended into the winter of 2019 there was all this hype around icos and there had to be a reset but then we saw a real period of innovation uh, and real interesting models emerge right on, on the back of that and yeah. um and and quality emerge and i think we we we've got into too much of a, a bull market as far as uh, crypto was concerned. And then there were a lot of corners that were cut. Of course, regulation was emerging, but it wasn't quite there. So things fell between the cracks. But I think now to instill confidence in the industry, um, I, I think you know regulation will emerge as we've discussed. But something like this needed to happen for a reset uh, and, and for uh, 
the technology to really now take the fore because you know even recently um jp morgan um if you, if you look at larry fink at blackrock uh bny mellon ceo have said that they're massive proponents of tokenization yeah and the use of blockchain for clearing and settlement and uh, being able to make those processes efficient you mentioned is there you know it's a prime example of how this technology can be leveraged oh, for that I mean, type of activity exactly as well. i mean wouldn't it just make everything so much more efficient and so yes. yeah 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 so i i so i really think we're going to now into after this period of reset we'll now enter into a, a kind of another golden period which doesn't necessarily mean um it's all going to be about crypto now but it's going to be about digitalized structured products it's going to be distribution of what um, the likes of Invesco and the Black Rocks are doing on the asset management sites to new forms of users with wallet integrations. And uh, and we're going to see real innovation. So I'm very, very bullish. Uh, and, and actually, uh, we're also go- going to now see an increasing amount of rails between the old world and the new world, because there's a lot of naivety on the crypto native side where people thought, ah, oh, yeah, but all this old technology is going to go away. But you and I know there's still IBM mainframes running that, that yeah. are decades old. And actually, that's not going away anymore. A bit like paper post hasn't gone away when email emerged and instant messaging emerged. Yeah, exactly. Their blockchain will be there, but they will always be there'll there'll always be a place for an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for some reason, we all tend to love them. I mean, you know, we it, it was funny. I mean, we had a demo to a client yesterday, and we were saying, you know, we've got various reporting reporting mechanisms, but actually, we had to create all these reports in Excel because at the end of the day, what the client wanted was just to download them and play with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think that what what we're talking about now is what we've seen before in what are now you know, the traditional markets. I, I, I don't know if you can remember this far back, but do you remember long term capital management? LC, yes. yeah. And um, you know, they all went off to the off to nobody could believe that derivatives could do this, and they all went off to Bermuda to sort it out. And okay, you know, obviously it didn't change everything overnight, but it did lead to. It did lead to changes in the mindset of the industry and the risk taking, as well as changes to the the, the way that um, that you know the, the clearing brokers were you know were lend, in effect you know lending you know margining in yes. margining, um, and I think also we could talk for for a very long time about sort of two thousand seven and two thousand and eight. And we could also talk for a very long time about whether Amir is sort of, you know, good or bad mixture of the two. But I think that, you know, there are some things that have come out of the crisis which have led to a a more sophisticated uh, industry and one which actually does have, you know, what the FCE call a compliance culture sitting much more strongly in it. And I think what we're, what we're seeing now with all these very shakedowns of crypto, it's, you know, it's as much the human reaction that's always been there. And yes, I, I think you're right that it's it's brought about a certain amount of caution and control and it's made people slow down. And that itself will mean there will be sort of a speed up in uh, non-criminal activities within the crypto world, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, beyond crypto, you know, when you look at digital assets as a whole, I mean, it's a huge opportunity. I mean, all the major... Uh, bank custodians are building out offerings now you know there's been announcements during the course of this year and even post fdx there's been low let up on that in fact you know there's only been an increase in activity uh, and an increase in communication and actually um you know the positive impact of this kind of technology 
uh, is uh, inherently um, huge in terms of its potential. So, so I think you know, even with a lot of the things that we're looking at as an organisation, um, you know, we, we believe actually that things are going to move towards hybrid finance, where yes, you're going to have traditional finance that continues to exist. You're going to have uh, centralized finance with some of these exchanges continue to exist. And you're also going to have a growing uh, nature of decentralized finance, but they're all going to coexist and integrate and interoperate as well. And the moment you get coexistence and interoperability, then you start getting various forms of hybrid. Yeah, absolutely. And that, in effect, will will lead to, as you rightly said, increased activity and increased opportunity as well. But with the right framework behind it, because you know we've got to be careful even on the regulatory side not to stifle innovation, but there does need to be a framework. It's a bit like, you know, the police are there to maintain law and order, uh, but you're not calling upon them every day. But when things uh, when things go wrong or, or things uh, are on the verge of descending into anarchy, uh, then, yeah. you know, you can, you can dial them. Uh, so in that sense, uh, there does need to be that safety net there. But I think, you know, if we get it right, um, you know, with UK PLC, we've got a massive opportunity to innovate. And of course, there's lots of innovation going on elsewhere across the globe as well. Yeah, so we need, to, yeah, and we and, and we we need to be very much at the forefront of that. Well, look, Hiranda, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wonder if maybe you could come back in a few months' time and we could talk about the progress we've seen that you know we're both sort of predicting, and in even in a short time, and also maybe talk a bit more about hybrids because I think that is something that we're going to see an increasing amount of movement in. And maybe in a few months' time, we can talk about that in a bit more detail and we'll be at the beginning of that movement and we can take our listeners with us. Yeah, I'd love to. And it'd be my pleasure as well, Claire. Hiranda, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. If you want to get in touch with either of us, then you just need to look for Cummings Pepperdine on the website, cummingspepperdine.com. And Hiranda, tell us all where we can where we can find you and communicate with you. Yeah, gmex-group.com, and I'm very active on LinkedIn as well, so uh, feel free to reach out. Exactly. Yep, I'll see you a lot there, and it's all very useful content. So, so Hiranda, on behalf of me and all the listeners, thank you very much. And to all the listeners, thank you very much as well. See you next thank time. You. Thank you. Bye-bye.